0: Bird's Eye View is brought to you by Be More Around Town. We saw it ourselves on opening day. There's no better way to spend a day before heading down to the yard to catch an Orioles game. Be More Around Town offers group tickets and an all-inclusive pregame party with food, drinks, and DJ included. Want to see the O's on the road? Be More Around Town has you covered. They've got orange road trip packages to New York to see both the Mets and the Yankees, Philly, Cleveland, and D.C. There are orange road trip packages to fit just about any budget, with options for transportation, Game tickets, drink specials, and so much more. To find out more, go to bemorearoundtown.com. Watching the, Oreo. Watching, the Oreo. watching the Oreo, watching the Oreo,
1: and welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and baseless opinion. Today is April 13th, 2015. And for those that are hearing our lovely voices, you can find us over at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can also find us over at Baltimore Sports Report. You should be checking out Baltimore Sports Today, where we occasionally make the guest appearance. But we also, you know, would highly recommend checking out Zach Wilt and Jabby Burns uh, with their... Uh, highly intellectual conversations such as having Nate Showalter on there and incorrectly picking the Rolling Stones as his favorite band over the over the Beatles. I refuse to admit that that happened. That might be the first instance where I've actually second-guessed a Walter. <laughs> you should also be checking out uh, Cody Colston. He does his BSR weekly updates and videos, and uh, the man has some talent. That's all I'm going to say. And uh, you should also be tuning in all season as we bring you BSR Post Game Live. Me and Jake will be on BSR Post Game Live on Tuesday night. Tune in uh, and follow us on social media to get that link during the game. We normally come on about 10 or 15 minutes after the game ends. She'll also be following us on various third party apps such as Stitcher, Miro, Double Twist, and I suppose that iTunes product. And really, go to those products, give us a review. It helps us along the way. Most importantly, you should be following us on social media at Facebook.com, but most importantly on Twitter at BirdseyeView, B-A-L. And with that, Jake, it's time. It's the drink of the week. Jake, what are you drinking this week?
0: For me, I uh, I am drinking for the first time ever a Double Cannon from mm. Heavy Seas. It's basically a, a double IPA from their Loose Cannon line, and it's it's pretty good. I,
1: I'm impressed. I like it. What about you? Jake, that is an impeccable beer. I tasted it out of your same glass because we like to share our own mouth right next to each other, and uh, it was amazing. So was on a, an excellent beer choice tonight. Jake, I'm going with another double IPA, but it's the one I think I went with last week, which is the Double Duckpin Double IPA. All right, I'll take it. It's a good beer. Yeah. It's a good beer. So, we're both in double IPA modes. This should be a, f- a great podcast. And uh, for those that want to follow us on what other drinks that we drink, or you can follow us on Untapped. We post it to Twitter. Jake can be followed at JakeE4025, and I can be followed at MEGN8606. With that, Jake, it's time we uh, took a little stroll into the medical wing. On BNA oh, being a on nice oh, stuck? Brand, don't stick on. All right, Jake, oh uh, a few more things happened this week into the medical wing. You, why don't you go ahead and start? Well, I, first of all, the medical wing really revolves around Eddie Gamboa this week.
0: First, you had Wesley Wright uh, going to the DL with a, an injury to his trap. Eddie Gamboa was brought up to knuckle his way into the bullpen. Uh, this evening, uh, on Monday... David Lowe has was activated. He was put onto the Orioles bench, and Eddie Gambo was optioned to AAA A as a result. So it's the it's the Gamboa shuffle. It's the the Gamboa triangle. If so you're you will. saying it's the knuckle shuffle. It's the knuckle shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> And we've reached a new low. Also on on the medical wing this week, we've got word that J.J. Hardy is doing baseball activities and will likely uh, go on a rehab assignment when the O's are heading to Boston uh, later this week. Um, and lastly, we're getting the saddest Matt Wieters facts of all time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: we're getting reports from the Beat writers that he's throwing at 120 feet again and that he's uh, hitting BP,
1: live BP off coaches. So Ooh. baby steps, I yeah. guess. Hey, maybe it's something Ryan Webb can do. Um, so really nothing too new to report besides Wesley Wright going to the DL. And honestly, that just kind of frees up a little bit of roster flexibility in terms of the bench. So I guess that's good. Um, you want to go over to the twat this week
0: on Twitter's? The first thing I want to do is I want to talk about. Uh, well, we're losing something, Scott. Baseball is dying, yo. Just ask anybody on the internet; they'll tell you. And and if you don't like the internet, then go to a newspaper, and they'll tell you.
1: Get off my lawn.
0: <laughs> Here's a tweet from Eric Fisher at Eric Fisher SBJ. Um, and the tweet is as follows. MLB sets new spring training attendance record of 4.03 million.
1: So Oakland opened up the top of their upper deck? Is that
0: how they did it? <laughs> well, actually, you know, I've heard that the stadiums in Arizona are a lot bigger than they are in Florida, and so they're getting a lot more fans over there uh, for Arizona. But, you know, the spring training experience is really phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I went down a couple of years ago to Sarasota to see the Orioles. I just had a blast, you know, that, that nice – orioles baseball experience in march and i'm sure
1: every team's fans are getting into that i, th- uh, I think this is a great news for baseball i think you know not to cross promote again but bsr's podcast they had Nate walter on um and he was talking about there's something special with about opening day where everything kind of starts to shut down at least in my world Uh, Work kind of slows to its pace, and there's like eight baseball games going on for the first time in months, and it's just like, it feels like a different aura. And like Nate said, you know, kids are being pulled out of classrooms, dads and sons are going to baseball game again. It just feels like something is right with the world. So yeah, um, maybe the exaggeration for baseball is dying, along with the record-setting TV deals is a little bit of an exaggeration. You talked about uh, baseball
0: and everything being right with the world, and that brings us to the next topic. Glory, glory,
1: Hallelujah! Okay, no singing. No this singing. comes from Mike Petrillo. He writes for Dodgers Digest, Fangraphs, and ESPN on occasion. And appears occasionally on Bird's Eye View. Yes, exactly. And also Baltimore Ons.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah. Um, tweets, oh, nothing, just Vince Scully talking about the majesty of life in baseball. Quick aside. Sure. You, you hear about the
0: East Coast bias all the time, right? You hear about it all the time. I tell you what, when our baseball game ends on the East Coast, yep. I go to the MLB network all the time and turn on West Coast Baseball. And I am much more familiar with West Coast teams, particularly in the National League, yep. than I ever was before the MLB Network existed. Yep. I'm also much more familiar with
1: Vince Scully yeah, because of it. It's pretty much the only reason I have MLB Network is to actually listen to Vince Scully. Simple as that. Um, next one comes from, and you should, this comes from Russell A. Carlton. You can follow him at PizzaCutter4. And uh, Russell A. Carlton is probably one of the predominant sabermetricians out there he writes for baseball prospectus and uh he is infamous for gory math which jake you would bleed your eyes over but there's a great post from Eno know yeah but you'd bleed your palms over it yeah and the, russell basically puts out these posts and he says i command you to read at Eno Saris on pitchers who might break out if we believe their spring stats and it's on fox sports um it's on just outside the box uh, just uh, yeah just outside the box and uh it basically looks at K percentage and walk percentage, which hmm, that's like something we talked about on this program, and uh, talks about how they might be useful tools. Interesting enough, two players that uh outperformed their numbers during the spring from the Orioles: Miguel Gonzalez and Chris Tillman. Mm. Everything's going great. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, next, we wanted to talk about something that's very important, and and who better to let us know about it than the Spastics, who can of course be found at Orioles Spastics. And they write as, as follows. Oh, my God, I'm in a meeting and
1: I have so much to say. Ah! Hashtag Arrested Development. Folks, for you that don't know, Arrested Development is coming back to Netflix. There's going to be several more episodes. Let's just hope that means the Spastics come out of retirement to talk baseball and Arrested Development and combine it again into a brilliant, brilliant podcast. If the Orioles can't do it, maybe AD can. Yes. Um, Jake, I'm going to have to summarize this next tweet as, Squeak! This comes from Matt Taylor at War from Thirty Four, and it's Palmer using Babbitt to explain why people doubt Miguel Gonzalez. Hmm, a pitcher that that pitched in the '60s talking about Babbitt. Gotta love it. Gotta love
0: it. Next, we've got uh, Matt Kremenser from uh, uh, Canada Depot at Matt Cremenser. Saw a Gonzalez in uh, solid in debut headline. He walked five and five and two thirds. That's not solid. It's Ubaldo like. Ten
1: points to Slytherin. I will say that that's a Baldo like before we all saw a Baldo picture first time. <laughs> and final tweet is a great story. Um, for those that don't know, Dan Clark, you can follow him at DC underscore TBL Daily. Uh, ventured over to America for the first time ever and basically traveled across the country and came to uh, the town that he has covered oh so many times for the Baltimore Orioles and uh, was at home opening day. But was also at Saturday's game and actually got to come on the field. So. He was actually there with Adam Jones. Uh, he tweets, "Great athlete, greater man. A real privilege. Thank you." Hashtag simply AJ. So we got to meet Adam Jones and also Chris Davis before the game. Really cool experience for an individual that traveled over ten thousand miles to go see an Orioles baseball game.
0: You know, we take it for granted all the time that we can drive a few minutes, walk a few minutes, and go see our Orioles play. This is a guy
1: that uh, had wanted to see Camden Yards forever and finally made it happen. More importantly, he convinced his newly married wife to go on a honeymoon to a baseball game. Yeah. Two thumbs up from us on that one. That's slick. All right, Jake. uh, Why don't we go ahead and start talking about the first week in baseball? And thank God we get to talk about real baseball once again.
0: Well, Scotty, here we go again. It's baseball season. We actually have baseball to discuss, and uh, I'm really excited because we started this podcast right before the uh, the 2012 season. Uh, our first episode was actually a recap of the 2012 opening day. Here we are again talking about opening day. It's a high holy day. It's a day we all love. We all look forward to it. It was a great one, even if the result didn't uh, yeah. didn't didn't work out for us wanted to go through uh, your impressions of the experience of the day as well as the game itself um, so let's start basically with our morning I, I went down early in the morning with my wife we did breakfast uh, at a local establishment had um, you know some morning drinks refreshments and and uh, you know breakfast we ended up going to a, a pre party uh, for uh, be more in town. town yep which is a lot of fun um and then the game and and this is the great thing about the orioles now is that people are so excited about the team that opening day you
1: don't have to generate the excitement you don't have to fake the excitement sure. it's already there the town is buzzing yeah i totally agree i mean you can kind of see it the week beforehand with people starting to finally put the orioles shop on you know us we are wearing it constantly um but it's great to feel that kind of ambiance and atmosphere of being with a bunch of insane people just like you absolutely
0: um Okay, my first question, we, you know, we get down to the, the pre-party, uh, we go into the stadium,
1: I want to make sure that we were there early for the pump and also the circumstance. Yep, and you were a little worried about how long it was going to take to get into the stadium, which comes to the first topic, which was metal detectors. Jake, didn't it really seem to be a big problem?
0: No, and I couldn't tell if it was because the uh, entrance was staggered or if it was because I was staggering. But, um, you know, it didn't seem to be
1: that big a deal. No, it didn't seem like it was that big a deal. I thought the Orioles did a great job of kind of getting the gates prepped and everything like that. So, kudos to them for taking a situation that could have been a big mess and be making it all okay. Um, Jake, the other thing that always interests me is every single time I go up to Canyon Yards and I walk through the gates and kind of look around, I just realize how great of a ballpark it is. I just try to remind myself how lucky we are to have a stadium like Canyon Yards and not have to work and walk into a stadium like the Tropicana or even up in Roger Center. So it's that's just exact- really nice to go up in there. And that's
0: exactly what we were just talking about with Dan Clark. I mean,
1: again, it's right there, and it's very accessible. Yeah,
0: um, I am I am uh, almost unblemished with my record at this point, Scott, of
1: willing the rain to stay away. The weather held out for us okay. Yeah, it did held out okay. A little foggy, a little cold, a little windy. Not great opening day weather, but you were able to, I guess— get the rain from soaking us completely wet as well i must be slipping in my old age but at
0: least the game got in i mean if the game hadn't happened the orioles hadn't announced any kind of backup plans what the rain out policy was which is shocking from a team that didn't even bother to tell its fans how they were going to get opening day tickets uh until the week of
1: yeah it's i don't know it's it's a little frustrating in that regard but you know the one thing that really i guess kind of bummed bummed a lot of people out was just how well the game turned out. And it was more of a situation of the game, slowest wave right at the beginning of the game. Um it wasn't really close. Norris pitched absolutely, how do I describe this, crappy. Um, and it never really seemed like it was a close game. It always seemed far out of reach the whole time. So
0: Yeah, it it was really a bummer. I mean, it was basically right away and it was over. Um yeah. but I will say that we're kind of spoiled in the fact that the Orioles don't get the doors blown off of them very often. Um, and and I feel like not only does the talent level keep them from being a constant threat to go to thirty to three, um, but the team also doesn't roll over the mm-hmm. way they used to. I, I feel like it used to be they got down by two or three runs and they just kind of ran as quick as they
1: could to get to the showers. You know, yeah. swinging and hacking like crazy. Um, I, I saw a, a tweet mention that um, it was the first time in thirty years that the another team had scored over ten runs on an opening day, a home opening day against the Baltimore Orioles. So. Um, I think we can wait another thirty years for that to happen again, and I'd be perfectly happy with that. Yeah, I mean, they got to ten one early, and you you knew
0: it just wasn't going to work out. But I thought that you had a great tweet. You were in a much better frame of mind in in many ways uh, on opening day than I was, and and you you talked about the tomorrow's of
1: baseball, which I think you're so right about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know it comes back to the whole marathon thing, and we've even talked about it this week where the Orioles have gone three and three for the first week. People are like, "Oh, what do you think?" And I'm like. We were a 500 baseball team until June of last year. You know, we talked multiple times last year about treading water and, like, are the Orioles ever going to make a move? And sure enough, they made that move. Um, It's way too early in the season to kind of get too obsessed about a win and loss here. I realize that some people are going to say, well, a loss now is equal to the same as it is in September. But, yeah, okay. But it's not that big of a deal. You can quickly come back. You don't want to build yourself a deep hole but if you stay competitive and right around 500, you'll be in good shape. And this is the point we were trying to make. About I mean, the Royals, for example, they were below 500 right at the All Star break, almost. So yeah, anything can happen. Well, they don't have that problem now. Yeah, but it <laughs> goes it goes back to
0: the point we were trying to make last year about not living and dying with every loss. Yeah. But okay, so baseball season is here. Um, we got so much to talk about. We're going to talk about real baseball now. We've been we've been you know going through such fake baseball over the off season, but let's. Let's do our our potpourri of sorts that we do here on Birds Eye View. Let's go around the bases. Opening day, we'll call that first, first base. base. All yep. right. Let's go to second base. I really want to talk about the starting
1: pitchers. Yeah, sure. Uh, the starting pitchers certainly haven't been very well good. And I guess is the way to describe it. They haven't gone deep into games. They've only they're twenty fourth ranked now in terms of uh, starters things pitched. Um, they're fourth in terms of walks per nine. Starters FIP is sixteenth. X FIP is twentieth in the league, and their ERA is twentieth with a four point three nine for the people that want to talk about it. So, they're definitely definitely a bad week for them to start off. Yeah, and that's I think a really good way to look at it. Like clearly we would want to be
0: where the Royals are now winning, you know, seven straight or whatever. Sure. But the thing is is that I refuse to either get up too high or get too low on anybody at this point because, you know, it's only a, a week. And again, with the starters, that means one or possibly two starts. I'm not ready to light the pitchforks yet. I'm not willing to get my blood pressure up yet.
1: Um, but not to mention, we've seen a lot of quality starts from these pitchers in spring training. And I know we don't want to say, oh, it's spring training, it doesn't matter. But it's it's encouraging to just be like, eh, it was one bad game. You know, your command, you didn't have command of your breaking ball. Like, for example, Tillman, I thought for the Sundays game, you know, I just didn't think he had control and command of both his fastball and but also his breaking ball. So it just seemed to like me is it like, it's he's not on today. It was very obvious really quick. I was like, he's just not on today. I mean, he'll get it back together again. It just it was a typical Tillman start of like, eh. It happens sometimes. And I felt like half of his pitches were in the uh, like the other side
0: of the batter's box. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. But the thing is, uh, Tillman had a pretty good start uh, for the season opener, um, so at least we have something to bookend that with. But I, I really feel like the two stories at this point, as far as the starters are concerned, again, with very incredibly short sample size, is... Uh Bud Norris, which I think you can then back up a little bit and look at what he what he didn't accomplish in the spring. Sure. And that was a really ugly start. I mean, just really ugly, magnified
1: by the fact that it was opening day. Norris is the only one that concerns me based off of his spring training routine. And you know, he's a clear regression candidate and looking at his numbers. You gotta think that he's not gonna be as good as he was last year. I'm not willing to pull him out of the rotation just yet, not whatsoever. Um but it is a little concerning to say why is all of a sudden he having issues with command.
0: And I think that many of us think that what we saw from him maybe last year was his ceiling. You know what I mean. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that his floor is so higher than what we've seen in that first start. Absolutely. You know. So I, I, yes, am I concerned about Bud Norris that he's going to be in a in a elongated funk? Yeah, I am. But at the end of the season, I think that'll round its way out. And if they have to work through that, okay. The other big story is the
1: one everybody's talking about which is Abaldo Abaldo Menes. Yeah, Abaldo Menes was pretty impressive, probably the most impressive start that I've seen him in Baltimore. Um really well done, just a really aggressive in the in the zone. Really good command of his fastball command and just did a great job.
0: And the velocity was not was not crazy. No, it wasn't crazy. I saw
1: 91 tops. It was just being aggressive and having command on the corners of the zone. So just exactly what you want from a person that's going to pitch 90 to 91 miles per hour.
0: Really good movement from a secondary pitches in
1: the zone.
0: Yeah. And that was the thing.
1: Kind of reminded me of like a Chen start, basically. Like not dominant or impressive, just kind of good command and not getting yourself into tr- too much trouble. Absolutely, And if, you know, if he, and again
0: his floor if he can establish his floor at a you know middle of the rotation guy
1: wow that is such that that'd be such a boon to this team yep all right one of the pitchers that i had talked about maybe coming in and being part of that rotation and this we're going to go to third base is kevin gossman and this is the oddity which is kevin gossman He has far as much accolade as i gave to him he's pitched extremely poor his two games of appearance with nearly no command he's had 9.82 walks per nine innings and what's even odder is that Gossman has commented that he's working on a curveball out of the bullpen. You know, for the entire spring training we've been told that he's been working on a slider. And now Gossman's gone to Steve Molesky and says, Oh yeah, I'm actually throwing a curveball now. And uh, oh, by the way, I threw it like 15 or so times in Tampa Bay. But none of the numbers work out to be that way. If you look at pitch FX, which I'm a pretty big proponent of, the numbers don't show that whatsoever. It says that he know maybe pitched like eight. So that's about half. I mean, that's not like, oh, I'm off by a pitch or two. That's half of what he thought he was throwing. And the other thing is too, it's just it's kind of odd that he would just switch right up and go back to a curveball. It kind of exemplifies the aspect that his slider really wasn't that good, and honestly, his curve's not that good either. So it's probably a mix of a slider and a curve. It's a slur, Jake. Basically, um, I guess my question is, if he's got his four seamer and he's got his splitter slash changeup, whatever it may be, whatever you want to call it, you know, do you really want him developing that third pitch in the bullpen? Or do you really think that it's necessary for him to go to the minors in Norfolk and basically say, have at it? Um, I think it's a difficult question for two reasons. Um, and the first is
0: this. We talk about Jason Garcia with the fastball. Jason Garcia has got that fastball that is major league ready. Sure. And the Orioles have rolled the dice to bring him into the organization and say, we are going to be content to allow Jason Garcia to be one of our best uh, you know, 12 pitchers and work on his secondary pitches at the major league level because his fastball can absolutely get out major league hitting. I think that that organizational philosophy if they're going to do that with Garcia should also apply to Gosman and here's why. I think that Gosman greatly outclasses minor league opponents and that he will not be required to throw the off-speed stuff in the minors. And while he's working on these other tools, Gosman has fallen in love a little bit with that fastball. I mean, he was touching depending on whose gun you you listen to. Sure. He was touching over 100 miles an hour. Yeah. I think that he needs to work on not falling in love with the fastball and and using it effectively by not overthrowing. And uh, to answer your question, yeah, I think that the bullpen is probably the best place for him to do it because for the overall health of this organization and having a dominant starter in Kevin Gosman, he needs to not be able to cheat by blowing away minor league opponents.
1: Yeah, if you look at his pitch selection, it's pretty similar to what it was last year in terms of how he's using it besides the Change up between the curve and the and the slider, but what was really interesting too when we were watching that Sunday is he started a lot of at bats out with his splitter or that slurve basically, and I was like, man, if you got the heat, bring the heat like on your first pitch. Why are you bringing one of your breaking balls or off speed pitches on you know your first pitch? It didn't make sense to me. So I understand what you're saying, and it, it makes perfect sense. Um, but it, I think it'll be interesting too to see if he continues in the bullpen where he's using that fastball and when he's using that fastball because that kind of gets in the conversation with Jimenez. Jimenez did a great job of mixing up his pitch selection and pitching backwards extremely effectively to the point I was like, I'm not exactly sure what he's going to throw And Jimenez was a very deliberate pitcher for the past three years and he got really smart and became a pitcher as opposed to a thrower. And I know that's a Palmerism, but I really was impressed with Jimenez and I haven't been impressed so far with Gaussman in terms of pitch calling and pitch selection. Um, it, it, i I honestly would like to see him go to Norfolk until he figures out this slur situation.
0: and you might be right. I mean i you know i I was in favor of him going and and going on and doing it in the bullpen, but you know that having been said, you made the observation at the game that his pitch selection didn't make sense. And my observation
1: of the game was that my four-year-old was picking his nose. That's true. So we we did have
0: a different perspective.
1: You were trying to prevent the four-year-old from, like, touching the person ahead of you and stuff like that. A little bit. All right, let's go to home plate. This is important because you're not going to have four-year-olds with you. Jake, you're going to go on a trip this weekend and... um well, you're going to watch the Baltimore Orioles on this trip. So tell me a little bit about it.
0: I'm really excited about it. We, we've talked a lot on this podcast, and people that have listened for a long time, first of all, you're fools, um, but have heard us talk about the fact that I never wanted to travel with this team when they were awful because I had had so many bad experiences of opposing fans coming into my stadium and making me miserable because my team was awful. And I said, there's just no way I'm going to subject myself to that in opposing stadiums, I don't care how wonderful the other stadiums are, I'm not going to go and watch the Orioles get their brains beat in when there's a very good chance they're going to do that every day of the week. The Orioles are good. The Orioles have been good now for three years. It's time for me to put my money where my mouth is. So yeah, I'm going to go see uh, the Orioles play at Fenway Park on Friday and Saturday. I'm really excited about it. And and the way it happened is actually pretty interesting because my wife has a, uh, a conference to go to that week. So I'm, uh, I'm doing the single dad thing for a few days. Uh, during the week, and she—it's in Boston, and she yeah. she said, "Hey, you should come up and spend some time with me in Boston." I was like, "Oh, that's a really that's good, a good idea. idea." I was thinking, you know, we do the the history stuff because I'm a big history buff. Yeah, you know, I hear it's a great town. You know, just do do Boston uh, for a long weekend. She goes, "No, the Orioles are in town. Let's go watch the Orioles." And your heart grew three sizes bigger. Yeah, she's the perfect woman. Yeah, um, but the conference organi- organizers are idiots.
1: They are idiots because it is the worst weekend to be in boston it is i can't imagine how much airfare around airfare a hotel is going to cost up there
0: yeah it's marathon weekend
1: yeah it's gonna be a lot
0: who organizes a conference in marathon weekend what why that's pretty
1: terrible on their part
0: So we we have tickets to, uh, again, the Friday, uh, uh, April 17th, and the Saturday, April 18th. We'll be uh, in the bleachers. Centerfield bleachers. uh,
1: Just to the right of the
0: triangle area. Yeah. Up in the
1: top corner, basically. Yeah.
0: When the Orioles hit all those dongs, look for me. I'll be there in my orange jersey.
1: Uh, so are like you going to be like making a big like Adam Jones sign since you'll be sitting in center field? Or? No,
0: I thought a lot about this, and we we actually had some conversation with some uh, some of our uh, fellow BSR contributors who were uh, talking about experiences outside of mm-hmm. of your home stadium. And I think that I've had so many bad experiences with other people being jerks at Camden Yards that I just want to go and and be a good representation of Orioles fans. I want to go and enjoy the baseball, and you know be a part of the Fenway experience and not detract from the Fenway experience. I don't think there's any reason in the world for any, uh, Red Sox fans to be uncomfortable because of my presence. And, you know, the last thing I want is to, you know, get into it with a bunch of drunk uh, Red Sox fans. Cause I'm,
1: I'm being aggressive. Well, best of luck to you. I hope that it's a great experience for you. And, uh, Hopefully, no one gives you too much of a problem while you're up there. I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll be a good time. This is the
0: one stadium that I'm really excited about going to. I, I would like to see Wrigley, but Fenway for me is really—it's
1: going to be pretty special. Okay, it's a dump. It's Camden North,
0: but oh the, no, I know it's a dump. Yeah. like it—it it won't stand up from the modern amenities standpoint. But I think just the history, the
1: aura of being there will be will be pretty special. Speaking of aura, you know, you were best in the greatness of aura last year. I think it's time we um. I think it's time to bring back some more to you
0: when it comes to twisting i just gotta keep insisting oh baby you should do swing when it comes to twisting i just gotta keep insisting hey, you are the king baby you got me beat up and down inside out at a cross
1: Yeah, I'm the boss, baby. So, Jake, I won last year by a pretty sizable margin, I believe it was. And, um Jake, I'm going to start it off with a great category this week that you're going to love. Jake, I want to look at K minus walk percentage. You okay with that? K minus walk
0: percentage. I am okay with this. This is actually a, a category that I, I've looked at a little bit in the in the recent past because I, I wanted to make sure that uh, – you know, I'm doing a better job of being a, a steward of this program with some at least knowledge of these stats that you throw at me. But for the uninitiated,
1: and and frankly for me, let's talk a little bit about K minus uh, walk percentage. Sure. So you look at strikes minus walks divided by plate appearances, as opposed to nine innings or just a count of it, basically. So it, it kind of looks at it more of the aspect of like, let's, let's see how many uh, batters you're going to see as opposed to nine innings.
0: And what it does, it it also doesn't uh, it doesn't penalize somebody for uh, not not walking a lot of guys versus having a ton of strikeouts
1: correct it's a it's a better ratio it is a better ratio yeah it's a better ratio and it's just a better representation also does a much better job on referencing like relievers as well as a as starter. so that's kind of why i picked the category because we could actually go with a reliever or starter in this given category so jake you were the loser last year i'm gonna let you make your first pick this year all right, so this is the way
0: Fantasy Boss is going to work this, this uh, year, everybody. What we do is we, uh, we, we the victor of the, the last week, and in this case the last season, because Scotty took the whole darn shooting match last year, picks the category. The other uh, then gets the first pick for a player, and we wait uh, over the course of the week. We track this particular stat, and we come back and look at it next week to see, as
1: Masson uh, programming would say, who will own it. I'm going to go with Darren O'Day. Darren O'Day is a good selection as long as Jose Batista is not at the plate. (laughs) Um, I think that's a really good one. I'm going to go with Brad Brock. Um, Interesting selections. Zach Britton has been absolutely dominant in this category, but one would think that he's going to regress to the norms and not be that strikeout pitcher that he has been for the past few appearances. Brad Brock has always been a pretty high K percentage pitcher, I'm going with Brad Brock as my choice for this week.
0: I almost went with Brock and I agree with everything you just said there because the thing is that Brock
1: has
0: has good numbers in this particular category historically, but he's also been better yes. as of late. Zach Britton, you're absolutely right, but uh, he hasn't done anything to make me think that he won't succeed this year.
1: And he also, I keep looking at his pictures, I'm like, he is going to, induce ground yeah. balls at a certain point so it just it makes me no i like feel like, I, like said, he, I feel like both of us chose the two people that i would have chose abono Jimenez was pretty high on that list this week too so um it's it just gonna be interesting to see what happens this week so jake who will own it and with that let's go over and go through who owned it last week and who didn't really own it so much it's time for the good the bad and the ugly Yes, it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Jake, um, you want to get started this week with your good? Absolutely. We, we always have you go last because
0: the qual- quality of your rants for ugly far exceed the quality of my own. So I'm going to go with good this week. Mine has to be Alejandro Diaz. And he has been just about everything this week. He's got us saying Nick Marquez who at the top of the lineup. Now. He's been uh, hitting the cover off the ball. But more importantly, he has been taking really good at-bats. And what I mean by that is that he is seeing a lot of pitches. He's being very patient. And one of the home runs that he had in the uh, in the Tampa series uh, came at the end of a 10-pitch at-bat. And later in that game, he had another 10-pitch at-bat. He's being patient. He's being productive. And in the first six games, he only appeared in four of them. So he's being platooned so that he can remain so. Um, you know, we talk about how you really measure a hitter. Uh, he woba is probably one of the better offensive measures for somebody's Sloan. value. I know. <laughs> I'm sucking up to you tonight, Scotty. Yeah. His is a, a 453 for the early part of the season, it's pretty good, and league average is 320. So, yeah. right now for this week, he's been really good six hits over 19 at bats, two home runs, and three
1: RBIs. Yeah, he's good this week. Yeah. Um, My good for the week has got to go to Obaldo Jimenez. Best start since coming to Baltimore. Absolutely filthy with his command and aggressive in the strike zone. Exactly what you want to see from him. Um, You know, if he can continue that pace, great. There's no way he's going to continue that pace, but, you know, just really encouraging to see. Um, Jake, who's your bad for this week? My bad for this week is Manny Machado at the
0: bat. Okay. He has been all-world in the field. He's been great, but... He started out with one hit 19 at-bats, and that is not
1: a good start. Not a good start, but has made some really nice contact with the ball in a lot of appearances, so I think that the worm is about to turn for Manny Machado, and he better start training sooner or else that 200-hit prediction I made for him is not going to go true. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What do you have for bad this My bad has to go to Delman Young, who posted lower numbers offensively than Ryan LaVarnway and Ryan Flaherty as a DH. As Jake has said, the legend of Delman Young during the regular season continues. All right, we're going to move ahead to the ugly, and look, what what more can be said?
0: It's, it's Bud Norris for me. Uh, Tillman had a terrible start, but he also had a pretty good start uh, to start the season. Norris uh, has nothing, has no leg to stand on as far as what he did in the spring. Uh, he's just not, he's, he doesn't have it right now. I hope he gets straightened out, but uh, in a very small sample size, we're overanalyzing uh, just a few games. It's, it's, uh,
1: it's Bud Norris for me, ugly this week. Okay. Um, ugly for this week has to be Dan Ducat in the front office. Folks, for those that are not paying attention, Ryan Webb was released this week and uh, was promptly traded to the Dodgers. Um, and we got a, a, two minor league prospects, nobody of significant value, you know, 20 to 30 prospects in any franchise. But we also traded away a competitive balance pick. Um, it was the number 74th pick in the in the draft. And most people would be like, great, we got some prospects back and we only had to give up, you know, Ryan Webb and this competitive draft pick. Except for my issue with it is you never, ever, ever give up a draft pick. And to show this, the Dodgers quickly dropped Ryan Webb actually yesterday and uh, basically have now just taken on the salary dump and bought a draft pick for $2.75 million. Now you look at the value of it over what most minor leaguers that are drafted in that position are going to be, and the value comes to be pretty big break even on the average. The problem I have with it is it's a lottery ticket. And that lottery tickets can sometimes get you gold, just like any lottery ticket is. Um, For example, an individual that was in the picks of the 70s with Daniel Norris from the Blue Jays. And I really want a man who lives in a van down by the river that pitches that good. Um, You know, the aspect is people are going to say, well, the Orioles never do well in the draft, so what's the point? Give up the draft pick if you can. My issue with it is... If you're terrible at the draft, you want to have as many draft choices as possible so that if you make a mistake, you've got another one to fall back on. If you're a terrible shot, you might as well have a bunch of bullets. That's exactly right. So Dan Duquette and the front office, if money is that tight right now, the Orioles are in terrible shape, not just this season, but in seasons in, in the future. $2.75 million is a drop in the bucket. And for them to trade away a part of their future, no matter how small it is, it's a bad sign. So, Dan DeKat in the front office, you sir, are ugly. I think I mentioned that the quality of
0: your your uglies will greatly uh, exceed the quality of my own. Uh, expect that all throughout the season, folks. Scotty, I'm I'm so glad. I'm so glad to see old friends return. Baseball yes. season, fantasy boss, and good, and bad, and the ugly. It just and rants. It feels
1: yeah, it feels yeah. right. But we should uh, we should probably wrap this up. Can uh, can we blow the save? Sure, I'm going to blow the save, Jake. Um, one of the things that we didn't talk about during opening day um, that I thought was really good was Jim Palmer being honored for 50 years with the Orioles. But the one thing that was more critical to me than anything that happened with the pomps and circumstance with Jim Palmer is the Orioles donation to a foundation that Jim Palmer and his son represent. Autism Speaks. The Orioles donated fifty thousand dollars to that organization. And, you know, that's a significant amount of change to make for a, for an organizational donation. Um, you know, I just think, you know, hats off to the Orioles for going ahead doing it. You know, that's not a small check to write, especially when, you know, you're trying to save $2.75 million for a draft pick. But, you know, kudos for the Orioles for making that donation. It certainly comes back to the whole aspect of Peter Angelos is a very philanthropic uh, individual and willing to give money to um, charitable contributions. I just wish he would give some charitable contributions to the minor league organization.
0: I think what was great about it was that it was obvious to everyone that saw it that Palmer was legitimately surprised, surprised. and touched yep. by, by Very the Very emotional, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's good stuff. Baseball is about so much. We talk about the, the storylines all the time. You know, it's about, it's about community. It's about family. It's about tradition. Watching uh, tears well up in the eyes of one of the great pitchers from the organization because of the relationship he has with the team. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: that, that that's that that's qualifies. pretty special. Yeah, so um, that's going to be it for this week. Um, we're not going to break it into too much because it's really only one week. Let's let it digest, folks. Let's get a little bit more information behind us before we start going off the rails. You really don't want to hear us talk for like ten or fifteen minutes about you know six games of performance. If you do, well, then you've got to figure other priorities in your life. Um, so with that, Jake, you know. Big series are coming up with the Red Sox four-game series. And, um, you know, these are important games, but stay around 500 for April, and I'll be pretty happy. Yeah, me too. Before we get out of here real quick, I want to thank John Young for finding us at the ballgame.
0: Hey, if you're there on Sunday, Scotty and I will be there. Please come find us, Section 336, and we will be happy
1: to say hi. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's.